Mindset Athlete Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. I'm a two-time Paralympian and owner of James Robert Fitness, which is an online training, nutrition, and mindset coaching business. First of all, I'd like to thank Lauren Williams for suggesting this quote to the show. An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute. Not because of some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete. By Chris Hart. And each week on The Mindset Athlete, we like to bring you inspirational athletes, a message, or experts talking about human optimization to teach you how to change your perception of your mindset and become 1% better. And on today's show, I've got Madeline Ruff. Madeline was diagnosed with osteosarcoma at the age of 16 when a tumor was found in her left ankle. She ultimately won her year-long battle with cancer, but not before earning a few battle scars, including the amputation of her left leg. While studying voice at the University of Miami's Frost School of Music, Madeline began penning fan favorites like Close the Door and Don't Fall, the title tracks of her debut album. Her experience during cancer treatment provided the inspiration for another favorite on the album, The Emotional Charge, Tell Me, Tell Me Not to Worry, which she began writing during a fever-ridden drive to the hospital. As a two-time cancer survivor and amputee, Madeline performs on a high-heeled prosthetic leg that she has jokingly referred to as a Barbie foot. Madeline's confidence, maturity, and sense of humor shines in her songs. The Daily Freeman counted Don't Fall among the top 10 regional albums of 2013. With a follow-up album, Maddie makes one thing clear. Whether it's cancer or dating in New York, she's over it. So welcome on to the show, Maddie. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, the pleasure is absolutely mine. So before, beyond the initial introduction, and, and I did sum up through it a little bit, which you found hilarious. So dated bio, yeah. <laughs> So beyond that, obviously, what what little nugget would you like to add on to that to give to my audience? Um, about me personally or about my music? Or really? well, I'll leave that up completely up to you. Okay. Uh, that bio is meant to sell me as a musician, and yes, a lot about my story is in there. But it's you know, it's a little, it's a little campy. It's a little. Um, it's all, it's all real. It's all very real. Uh, but other than Maddie Ruff, the like musical artist, uh, local singer songwriter in New York city, uh, I am like relatively, um, present in the amputee community on social media. I've worked in the hospitality industry in New York city for 10 years. It's I work private events performing like that's a very small nugget of um of the world that I live in that encompasses like the Maddie Ruff universe. (laughs) Do you think obviously having your amputation for for long since you're 16 has helped you obviously from dealing with and we discussed this a little bit before we started recording be it working in the service industry and and dealing with obviously the the negativity from a no perspective of the music industry? Um, how do I, how do I think being an APT relates to, to, do you, do you to, think that's helped you? Do I think it's helped me? Um, yes and no. I think that, um, 
because I went through this really traumatic experience in this weird way. Uh, I, I emote with people a little bit. Um, and I think I'm more sensitive to people. Uh, I think sometimes if I'm having a bad day, maybe it's the opposite. It's like, Oh, this person is complaining about this little thing. Like if only they knew. (laughs) Um, but I think that it's, it's helped me in, uh, in patience and, uh, and understanding where other people are coming from. And, uh, and maybe giving me a little bit of a tougher skin, uh, a thicker skin. I do think that there are definitely moments when, um, when I've been doubted, uh, whether in, in both in the service industry and in, in the performance industry, uh, and I've just had to work a little bit harder just to prove myself. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. Mm-hmm. What do you What do you put it down to? Do you think it's an adaptation to the environment, or do you think you've mastered a way that's going to obviously prove prove not to yourself, but prove to others obviously you're capable, more than capable, even with the, that 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 adversity people see in front of them. I think that any time. Um, I approach a new job, a new gig, a new position. I always let my employers know my situation and I I let them know that being an amputee has never been an issue. Um, If there is some kind of emergency situation, just so, just so they know um, what's going on with me. But uh, I think that people have been doubtful, but me just doing my job and um, doing the best that I can and whatever I'm doing has always proved like, okay, there's nothing to worry about. It's, it's, even though I'm not like everybody else, I am capable of doing the job um, as well as or better than anyone else in the establishment. I think and, do you th- and do you think that's obviously a transference of, uh, and this is probably where people uh, who I've spoken to, be it clients or, or, or the older generation, why, why do you think you and I are more comfortable, and this is probably a generalization a little bit because I don't want to put words into your mouth, why do you think, obviously, they have that um, constraint when it comes to talking about the disability and wanting to hide away to it and, and, and want to be judged solely on um, their abilities, whatever field that may be, based on maybe the younger generation putting at the forefront and you need to accept this as well as my abilities? Um, I think that I want to be judged on my capabilities and my abilities to do things. But I do think that there's a little bit of a shameful, it might be like a strong word to say, but in older generations, being disabled, being, and I'm going to use the word, um, but we don't use that word anymore, cripple, is uh, that that was the connotation with being disabled. And now we're handy capable and we're proud of our disabilities and we, we accomplish whatever we need to get done during the day, despite what's going on. And that's something to be celebrated. Um, I think that in previous generations, it was something, yeah, it was just, it was, I mean, this is, I'm talking like this could be a hundred years ago or it could be 50 years ago. Um, I think that uh, technology has both uh, in like computer science and the development of better wheelchairs and prosthetic devices and things like that um, have made life a little bit easier for disabled people, but also both physically and mentally. Um, I think that we have access to each other and this whole celebrating yourself 
and loving yourself movement that's kind of happening right now, not even just in the disabled community, um, I think has made it something to be celebrated and, uh, and worn on your sleeve rather than being hidden, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But obviously, what, what do you put it down? Because obviously, from a, a physical standpoint, you, we discussed it, and I'll bring it up a bit. You know, you, you mentioned there with, with people with obviously resulting to wheelchairs or crutches versus using their prosthetic. And, and, and I'll come, I'll bring it up because I'll take that. I'm quite happy to take the heat with it. Um, be it from a basis of obviously when people are resorting to those facts uh, of, of utilizing more, probably more so the wheelchair. Uh, do, do you think uh, that those individuals to some extent when they don't resort to wanting to change or be adaptable to try something new because it's out of their comfort zone do you think they're not accepting of obviously the the ultimatum what lies ahead of them obviously and nobody likes to talk about this but the 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 thing that's obviously at the end of that is you shrivel up and you die do you think from from your basis more specifically obviously you're not thinking about that because obviously uh, you're a little bit more more positive in, in mindset but be it you were willing to obviously look at exercise and training from a more open approach to you were willing to like look at it from a trial and error perspective? Well, that's like a very long question. Um, I think that, uh, I think that people who I'll, I'll put it into the amputee bubble because that's what I'm more familiar with. Um, people that either live on crutches or in chairs, um, it could be one of two things. Either the world outside is terrifying to them um, to, to be out in the world as an amputee and it's easier to just not try. I think that there are people that are like that. I think there are also people who have had very negative experiences with prosthetics uh, and worked with people that um, their prosthesis wasn't fit correctly. Um, it's, you know, it's a journey. It's a custom piece to your body. You need to be working with the best people. Uh, and I've, I've been really lucky to, from the get-go, be with an amazing team at A Step Ahead. I don't know if you saw that in my little universe. Um, but uh, the other factor in that is also cost. And especially in the States, it's just astronomical. Um, to afford a, a custom fit prosthesis, it's just if you don't have health insurance, which is a whole other topic <laughs> altogether, um, it is virtually impossible to uh, to be a, a person with pre-existing conditions, let alone missing a limb um, and getting the, the proper devices needed to live your life. So uh, that's part one to the question. I think that... Um, what makes me dip? What was this? The second part was what makes you so open-minded and, and, and kind of looking at, so okay. I, uh, of looking I, at I, it from I, being flexible with it. I, uh, I actually have been, and I, <laughs> I use this word in like an interesting way, lazy, like physically lazy for most of my adult life. Um, just, despite the fact that I work on my feet, like 40 plus hours a week, but I, I never went to the gym. I hated it. I didn't want to try new things. Um, more out of 
there was this like a sense of embarrassment if I fail, like if I fail as an able-bodied person, okay, whatever. But like if I fail as an amputee, I felt like this double kind of shameful thing, which is so silly because if anything, I should get a pass, right? I should get a pass for not being able to complete a task because I have, you know, a piece of me missing. Um, but yeah, I think it just... It, getting a little bit older and more confident and being out the world for longer. I'm just like, why not? What is the worst thing that happens? The worst thing that happens is I fall or the worst thing that happens is I'm like, I can't do this thing, but you have to try. Um, so I don't think that I was always as gung ho about doing new stuff. Um, but in like, yeah, in like the last two years, um, I've gotten very into physical fitness and found things that I love doing. And, and I think that, seeing progress in yourself is the biggest motivator ever. Like being able to do something that was really, really difficult for you. And now it's becoming easier. And now, Oh, I can do this other thing. Um, fit physically seeing results is yeah. It's like so exciting and motivating, um, and inspiring for yourself. Uh, and I think doing that has pushed me to try new things out in the world. Um, I was really into horseback riding as a kid before my amputation but I hadn't been back on a horse in like over 10 years. And I've, I've ridden horses twice in the last like six months. Um, I hadn't been on a bicycle for, I had, I had like tried a little bit as a younger amputee and um, just got really nervous and I just like, go do it. If I can hang out upside down for two minutes, then I can go ride a bike, like, or I can at least try, you know? Um, I don't know if that's a, that was a very long-winded answer to your question. I hope that's No, not. but I'm going to touch upon what, what, a few points where you, you come in there and I'm going to get your point of view. In terms of, obviously, from the mental perspective now, and this is probably the coach aspect coming in, do you, be, do you truly believe that you were lazy? That I what? That you were lazy. That I was lazy. I've never, okay, I've never been like a lazy person. I always work hard, whether it's, it was in school or at a job, I'm always very organized and um, disciplined, but I, I hated working out. I, I, and that's where I say I was lazy. Like I would rather watch some Netflix than go to the gym and do a couple of sets of something. Um, I, you know, what if I'm looking at it now, Yes, I call it lazy, but I think maybe some of it was fear um, and uh, maybe some of it was embarrassment. It's not like I never went to the gym. I would go maybe once every couple of months or something like that. Um, but it, it wasn't a priority and it wasn't part of my life the way that it is now. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, okay, I, lazy maybe. Is it still lazy if it's just it's easier to not do something? What do you think? No, I'd call that convenient. Okay, so it was convenient to not take care of my body and go to the gym. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, but maybe lazy is not the right word. Because in other aspects of my life, no, I've never been a lazy person. Yeah. Well, I think it is. it does come down to the language that people use. And be it, obviously... You, you're more e easily inclined to gravitate towards laziness when you don't want to do something. But then in fact, when you, you talk about Netflix there, that's convenient. That's convenient. You, you're doing something that obviously you enjoy, uh, obviously uh, from a, from a basis of 
it's priorities. It's not the right time. Um, I don't know about it's priorities. I feel so much better going to the gym and hanging out upside down than I do after binge watching Netflix. Like it, that's definitely better for me and makes me happier. Um, but I think it was a, like a motivational thing too. Like I'm less, I'm more motivated to sit on the couch than to go do something physically active. You know? Yeah. But that just became the normal for me or the norm for me. Um, well, I think we have to remember that. Obviously, it's it's going to the gym, doing something that you've never done before. It's it's, it's it, you could put it down to fear, uh, fear of the unknown. Uh, you don't know what quite to expect. Are you gonna make a fool of yourself? And obviously, all the things that go with it, be it peer pressure, um, embarrassment, shame, if you do something wrong. But I think if you don't try, ultimately, where where do you where do you find yourself? You're still stuck in that same position. Um, and touching on that, it's so funny, like, it, no one at the gym cares what you are doing. No one, the, the other people that are there doing their workout do not care what's going on with you at all. Um, and I kind of relate it to, you know, a teenager who has a pimple on their face and they think that everybody's staring at it, but nobody really notices it. Um, I, uh, I, I mean, I feel that way about going to the gym or trying something new or being in a class or whatever it is. Like, Nobody cares what you're doing. They care about themselves. They're worrying about what they're doing. Um, so I think this the whole like shame and embarrassment thing is really all about how you feel about yourself. Um, and uh, it's funny. I you know I'm I'm a representative of the of the amputee community, but I'm not. Um, it's not part of my day to day because I live out in the world where pretty much everyone I interact with is a fully able bodied person. Um, so friends of mine who haven't really been into fitness have now been coming to me for advice and they're so intimidated by the gym. And it's just, this kind of funny, like, oh, we all have that. We all carry that. It doesn't matter if you're disabled or not. It, everybody has some kind of sense of like shame or embarrassment or a fear of, um, of the unknown. Yeah. Well, if I go a step further than that, Maddie, and say, obviously, uh, I think pre- people have a precursor, be it when they're new to a new situation, and, and okay, I'll use your example of the gym. If you relate that to me, uh, somebody that's a bodybuilder, uh, a gym buff, we've all been at the very beginning. It just happened to be a very, very long time ago. So if people can relate to that, and uh, those individuals, be it coaches, and people a little bit more advanced, put their ego aside and, and very much not point the fingers as be it, as we're talking in January, it'll be the busiest time of the year for people getting started. But be oh, yeah. it, like from a resolution <laughs> perspective, we'll be the, 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 the part of the population pointing, well, you're a nuisance because you're getting in the way of me having to change certain aspects of my routine to be able to get a good workout. And if we were a, bit, a little bit more supportive, which I'm very much in if if you can give them that supporting hand and say, well, don't be apprehensive because you're, 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 you're already there as it is when you're coming in the door in the first place. So it's, so it's to be commended and say, well, what can we do to support you? Obviously not, there's going to be different individuals along the way, be it some are going to be a little bit supportive when they think and reflect upon they used to be that individual once upon a time, be it a 
a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, et cetera. And then obviously you're going to have those people that never change and always going to be, well, you're, you're a nuisance to me. You're going to be gone come March time anyway. Uh, but if we could but be, maybe, a they bit... won't be if, if it, maybe they won't be if there's a, if there's a you or there's a me that's like, Hey, never seen you here before. Like, do you need help with that? You know, there's a, if there's a personal like connection to a place, I think that maybe the, that person will be more inclined to continue on, but who knows? Um, well, it's willing to, to, to um, extend that hand. Cause obviously people are more frightened to, to ask the question of, or, or say I, I'm new I'm not quite sure what to do. And obviously I've seen it at the forefront because I've been that trainer in the gym environment that has to show people around. So you can tell the new people versus somebody that's uh, maybe had a break in terms of, it is frustrating for me when you have to have a, I can't think of the word now, um, uh, showing around the gym and I'll use it as that and and I'll get slated probably for not knowing the name, but I I probably get a quicker one because like well I want to I want to do this as a goal this 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 what equipment do I need to use but I know what I'm I know what I'm doing so I can relate that to the person. Um, I in my I mean in my situations it's usually friends or people through social media that reach out to me and I'm like hey I'm not an expert but this is what I do and this is what I figured out for myself um, and hey come up like come over to my place let's use my gym let's let's work out together you know most of them never come over but um <laughs> but uh but it's just been interesting seeing that um the trepidation that that people have going in that i had probably like tenfold inside me um and it's just it's kind of uh it's been rewarding and like also kind of amusing that it's come like full circle for me um it's like now I'm the person that people are coming to. It's completely bizarre. I actually did a set, a series of little videos for uh, a very good friend of mine who she lives in uh, in New Orleans now. And she was like, Maddie, I really want to start working out. And you, like, you, you've been so inspiring and um, I'd love to talk to you about it. I said, oh, let me just take some videos of me working out. I was like so goofy and talking to the camera and <laughs> um, did a series of whatever things on my cell phone. And I sent them to her and uh and I guess she had a, a workout buddy and they both watched them and they just, they, they loved it. It was like, you should, you should start doing this. This is great. You're so relatable. I was like, no, no way <laughs> just for you. But, um, I was like, Oh, that's, it was, it was nice. It was a very rewarding little thing that I never in a million years would think that I was doing would, would be doing a year ago that anyone would ever ask me for advice in that realm. So cool. Do you yeah. think it? Do you think it's helped uh, with with the likes of social media and I, and I mean probably the likes of probably Instagram or Pinterest and maybe Twitter more specifically than say Facebook. Um, I don't really use Facebook at. Well, I, don't, I never use Twitter, and I pretty much forward all of my Instagram stuff to my Facebook. But yes, I think that um, like Instagram, it's basically memes music fitness and like beauty stuff right now right um so uh, from a personal perspective i think that social media has actually uh been a motivational factor in my consistency uh in, in my like remaining consistent in my fitness journey um i you know i think that we all post things for the right reasons and the wrong reasons, but feeling this, um, probably like, 
pressure that I create myself for sure to have content and to have something out there um, is motivating me to continue to like, okay, I got to go upside down for at least 15 minutes today. I got to get, I got to get that in. Um, which I mean, it's not like anybody is relying on that, but I've had a bunch of people send me messages say, Oh my gosh, your, your but headstand. Do you, but but do you know that for a fact though? There might be one, <laughs> might be one person like, Oh, you've not come on at this particular time. Yeah, you're right. There might be one person who's just like, Oh, where's that upside down video. Um, but uh, I, I have had, you know, not just having it out there and having, you know, seeing the views, but I, I've had a fair amount of messages from friends of mine or people in the FPG community, especially. I, I've definitely gained a small following in the FPG community um, who reach out to me and say, say things like, wow, it's, yeah, your, your, your journey upside down has been so inspiring. How do you do this? Like, what, like, what can I do in this situation? Um, and again, I'm not an expert. I tell them what I do. and. Uh, and at the beginning, I mean, I'm still struggling. I'm still like pushing myself and probably doing things incorrectly every once in a while. But, um, but that what are, persistence is progress. That's something that I like to say. Like if you're persistent, if you're doing it, that's progress. Um, even if you're not seeing it immediately. So, yeah. Well, that's where most people fall foul of it because they, they feel that they are not doing it in the correct way. And I mean like hundred percent of the time uh, more from a perfectionist standpoint. Mm-hmm. And then I'll relate it to be, well, that's procrastination because you you either never get it done uh, uh, because you, you're looking for perfection. And then the other f- forward, well, I can't do it because I want it to be a hundred percent. And I think from an empty perspective, that's impossible because not one day is ever going to be the same. And be it, you need to be adaptable, uh, persistent, and a little bit have this flexibility of doing it on the fly because obviously there's going to be times where you can do it with your prosthetic and there's going to be times that you can't do it with your prosthetic. And yeah. there's not saying uh, those days you need to take a rest. Obviously, there's the days where, I don't know, you, you're not able to walk, be it for, from, from a medical standpoint, that would, I was obviously uh, be adamant to say, well, you need to take a rest because that's your body telling you you're doing too much. But being fixated in terms of there's only one single way of doing things, I think from an MT is ridiculous. I think it, it's probably easier as an amputee in that respect because you can be adaptable you can be a little bit transform you can be a little bit transformative in terms of like a transformer you can you can you can do it one you can do the same exercise two different well at least two different ways yeah that's true that's true um i i mean obviously it is more physically difficult to do everything as an amputee um so i don't know if i'd agree with you in in every way shape and form uh in that statement uh but yeah i mean i i notice a difference when i do certain activities with or without my prosthesis and i can relate this to you know i obviously i really love doing headstands i love hanging out upside down and and um it's always been easier for me because i have a little bit more mobility without my prosthesis on but um yeah, I've recently been trying to do things with it on and I've just been falling over all over the place. <laughs> it's been kind of a mess. Um, but 
sorry, my internet connection went a little weird. Um, but it's a, it's a whole other route to strengthening and, and, uh, working on my core and my center of balance having that. So yeah, I guess it's a, I don't know, I'm rambling a bit, but, um, so what would be the exact point yeah. that you disagree there, on? There the are two ways. Yeah, there are two ways to do everything. On the on the disagreement point, oh. what's the exact point then? It's the fact that I can't squat like a normal person. I can't do A B C D. I can't do these exercises that I look up on the internet because my body just won't move that way. Um, I don't have, you know, obviously I'm talking to an expert, so I'm sure you could show me some modifications of things. Well, it's, um, mod- it's modifying the exercise and, and, and be it, I've, I've written a book on it because I, <laughs> I had a, I had a charity, limb charity come to me and say, oh, James, could you, could you come up with solutions for not just leg amputees? I had to think outside the box for, it, for uh, quads, uh, people with arm amputee. So I, I, I've spoken to an amputee in Australia. I said, can you, can you have a look over it? Because there's probably something I've forgotten from be it, being a leg amputee. There's probably something that I've probably overlooked, be it from an arm amputation within the leg perspective. I'll look at, well, this is what I am capable of a single amp that, 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 as above. This is what I expect of below me to be able to do based on having more functionality mm-hmm. and, and do a spectrum and here you go and, and, and give, uh, I've given opportunity to a few people that I've got close to, to have a look at that and, uh, give, and give feedback on it in terms of what, what's missing in terms of that resource for the betterment of everybody. So that's looking to fill, fill the gaps in terms of what you're mentioning or Phil mentioning in terms of what's missing, be it from the mainstream Obviously, from from a from a training perspective, it's very difficult because there's probably millions of different exercises that you could use as an able body perspective. So it's probably as trainers who have a disability, more specifically amputation, sitting down together collectively and coming up with a resource. But that's putting ego aside, which is probably a lot more difficult. No, I I I think it I think it's amazing that that's even happening right now because like even you know. 10 years ago, like this discussion, you know, may not have been, been happening on such a wide platform. Um, Going back to saying that it's, it, it is more difficult as an amputee. I have to find someone like you who, or, or figure it out on my own, modifying something or like, how do I access this muscle group if I don't have this, this other muscle group on my body? Um, And, uh, the second part of that is, and this is something that I've been struggling with a lot. Um, I'm, you know, I'm finally, I'm taking care of myself. I'm motivating. I'm seeing results. Oh my gosh. I gained all this muscle and I lost all this fat and now my leg doesn't fit anymore and I can't walk (laughs) or I bruised the crap out of my, my bone because I've transformed my body. Um, which I'm sure is another conversation that you've had uh what do you do it from that basis because obviously with i i I said meant the world into to be it you know people insurance and and people with uh, public health care be in the brits or the australian what would you do in that circumstance because obviously that's probably an argument an amputee would probably have would come into work with me to 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 change it for the betterment and obviously then now we have a problem from uh, insurance purposes because it no longer fits from a different perspective. 
Um, I can only speak from my personal experience and I've been very lucky. Um, I was not anticipating having to get a new prosthesis once I went to like underwent this basically body transformation. Um, I would say it was last summer or two summers ago, there was, um, this is a like very personalized story. I, I had a new prosthesis made. Um, and I had had my other legs that I have modified to, to fit that new socket I'd had fit. Um, my fitness journey had started, but not, uh, not as aggressively as, as like, as I work out now, um, in, I guess it was like a year and a half to almost two years. My body changed so much. I didn't realize, I, I honestly, I did not realize that my prosthesis was so ill-fitting. Um, I just had a new prosthesis made and delivered at the beginning of December. Um, and I was actually out at a step ahead yesterday doing some adjustments on it to make sure I'm all good to go. But I was working out on an ill-fitting prosthesis for basically almost a year um, and struggling at work. And I didn't even realize, I thought that there was something wrong with my residual limb. I like, I was unaware. I lost two centimeters of circumference on my, on my residual limb, which is a lot. That's like, that's a lot. I don't, I don't know if the rest of the world would like kind of relate to that, that statement. Um, but I, uh, I'm in the middle of kind of the, that scenario we're talking about. I've had a new prosthesis made, but the other legs that I have for other, you know, functions in my life, um, I can't really, I can't wear them. And, um, I was very lucky that the insurance I had through my work right now, uh, it was still a really big copay, um, took care of this new prosthesis, but I'm about to go back, um, in two weeks to assess the situation with the rest of my legs and see if I can have them modified. Um, if I can't, I'm going to have to start from scratch, which means having, you know, okay, I need a cosmetic high heel leg for performance. I need, um, you know, a, a fixed non-cosmetic as a backup, uh, or, you know, whatever, whatever it ends up being. But I have no, I have no idea if I'm going to be able to afford it. I don't know what insurance is going to, uh, accept or deny. Uh, and that's really scary. It's really scary. I can walk. I have one leg that fits me right now and I can walk and I can go to the gym and I can, um, you know, like dance around, but, uh, moving, moving forward, I ha I have to have the other leg options. And a lot of people don't realize that, that amputees have different prosthetics for different things. Um, if, if they have the luxury to have that, uh, but to live in the modern world, I live here in New York city. I'm a performer. I like, I need these things to do my job and, um, whether or not, uh, American insurance companies, companies are going to recognize that are so that's a whole other conversation to have and we'll see we'll see what what happens I'll like I'll shoot you an email in two weeks when I go out um but yeah it's it's scary it's scary and it can be very very discouraging for sure do you think that's why some American amputees are reluctant to to, to have a body transformation in that case then uh I don't think so I don't think it's even a thought um, cause it, I mean, at least 
again, from my perspective, it wasn't a thought for me. I didn't, I didn't think about it until weight became such a big issue. Um, because, and this is, this is something that you I'm sure know a lot about, and I don't even think about it that often. I weigh more than I did whatever, two years ago, but my body is completely different. And a lot of that has to do with, with muscle mass. Um, and where, where those changes happen on your body and how it affects your residual limb. Um, and I, I'm not sure, I'm not sure that an amputee that's, that's deciding whether or not to become physically active. I don't think that they're thinking about the fit of their prosthesis. I think that there's so many other, other things weighing on them before, before that. Um, but I mean, I can only, I can only relate it to myself. It, it was see- more of like, like a, a self-worth, a self-image versus, um, versus like, what am I going to do if I lose weight and my leg doesn't fit? Like that was not, that was nowhere in my, uh, that was nowhere in my, my mind at all at that point. But, but should you contemplate it from a preparation standpoint then so that you, that you do have, not necessarily it's in the back of your mind, but you've got it written down that this is a possibility that this is going to be uh, an obstacle down the line. Now, now it is. And now I'm, um, I mean, there, there are certain things that I want to accomplish with my body, but I also, because I've experienced this, this struggle with the fit of my prosthesis, uh, I also want to stay within like a five pound range. (laughs) Like I have this, uh, this number in the back of my head of like, okay, we need to stay consistent. If we, you know, if we take, if we are talking about myself as we, <laughs> me and my leg, we, if we, um, if we take, you know, if we take a week off, if it's the holidays or whatever, you have, you have to be careful. Um, you have to be careful, but it's, I've been more conscious of that in the last like six months than I probably ever have been in my life as an amputee just because I went through this kind of nightmare situation of um, living in an ill-fitting prosthesis and not being so, not not even being aware of it really um, until I finally went out to see my guys at a step ahead. And they're like, Maddie, how have you been walking on this? This is so not okay. (laughs) Like um, we need to get you all fixed up. So yeah. Yeah. Well, you adjust. That and that's based on probably an amputee speaking to an amputee. You, you you adapt. Your body is obviously going to change anyway. Not for the for the, from that basis that you're talking about. It's probably not good, but we probably all do it in terms of well, we're going to result to going to get it fixed for the adjustments. When you've told us the the body adjustments, we've had to deal with over years. So it's to to to, to kind of. You probably blanket over it and think of it. Oh, it's not a. I'm 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 sore here. I'm sore there. I'll put it down to something else as opposed to the limb. And then obviously they, they'll say they'll differ, but they don't have to experience that in most cases. And most probably prosthetists aren't amputees themselves, so they don't have an. I won't say an empathy, but they can't relate from you just trying to get on with your life, which I'll hear from people occasionally. But then it will be. I still have a struggle with this. So have you come to terms from acceptance with this, this belief or not, but based on what you were saying, I think you get on with it anyway, because you don't put it down to that being the root cause. Um, 
yeah, I definitely power through. I've never been like, oh, I'm not going to work today because my like bone is bruised on my residual limb. I just put on more sock ply and I, I get on with my day. Um, I, I mean, I've definitely said to my prosthetist when I've been having, you know, a tough time, it's just like, I just want to be, I'd like, I don't want to have to worry about how difficult it is to change my shoes. <laughs> um, I just want to be able to get up and go. And I, I, I have had so many, um, I don't want to call them mobility issues because I'm still working 40 plus hours a week on my feet and I'm still going to the gym, but I was in pain. Um, and that's really the factor. It's like, it shouldn't be pain management. You should be comfortable. Mm -hmm. And I did hit this point where, um, and I mean, I'm still, I'm still adjusting to this new prosthesis. There's still, you know, things to figure out, but, um, but it hit this point where I was just like, what, if it's not one thing, it's the other thing. Like that, I was just so like, something has to be wrong. Something has to be wrong with me or my prosthesis because I know that in the rest of my life as an amputee, I have not been in this much kind of pain. Um, and I actually, I went to go see my surgeon because I was afraid that I had some kind of scar tissue buildup that was rubbing in my prosthesis. And it was like, no, it's just, I had lost. And I, I do have a little bit, which is totally normal. Um, but nothing had changed. It's just that I had lost mass on my residual limb and whatever scar tissue I had was like basically grinding up against the inside of my prosthesis. So, um, it's like too much information, but, uh, but yeah, I, again, I feel like I got off topic with your question. Um, but when it results to that, Maddie, do, do you think obviously cause, cause you and I were discussing this beforehand, you, you don't get too inv- engrossed within those kind of communications within Facebook groups, but be it when people do say things, uh, my prosthetic doesn't fit. It does. It does alarm me sometimes that people don't use common sense at times because obviously, ultimately, it shouldn't matter what somebody else's opinion is of what you're experiencing or feeling at that particular moment. You should use some common sense and say, "How is it impacting me?" and then do it. So, I think from an actional standpoint, you saying it it being uh, problematic and you you obviously go into the worst case scenario in, in within your mind and then working your way back. But obviously, with when when we when you do see things like that, you're thinking you've obviously thought of it to be a problem because you want to bring it to the forefront and get people's opinions. But this is coming back to my point in terms of procrastination. You could have been a little bit more uh, pragmatic and picked up the the telephone and rang your clinic in in that time in that same time frame based on whether it's open or closed but you could have done that and been a little bit more um proactive in terms of getting the the right information from the right people right absolutely um i think that i could have i think that i have a really high pain tolerance and i would just kind of like okay let's just keep like keep chugging along keep chugging along um and uh yeah, I think I waited until everybody has a different threshold and I, I waited until I couldn't anymore. Um, could I have gone out to see my prosthesis earlier? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it takes me two hours to get there just so you know. Um, so I, I'm sure there was a bit of procrastination as well. Um, but I've been out there, oh my gosh, like 
almost I, my weekends are generally Mondays and Tuesdays. I've been out there like almost every other like Monday or Tuesday for like the last month. It's, it's exhausting. I'm not going to lie. Like it's exhausting and it's stressful, but, um, but yeah, you hit a point where you like, it's like, okay, well, I, I can't live like this anymore. So I've got to do something about it. And I think that that point is different for everyone. And, um, like circling back to what we were talking about at the beginning. Um, I think that some people don't, some people don't hit that point and they just give up. Um, it's like, oh, well, this just isn't working for me. So I'm not going to do it anymore. Um, and yeah, I think that that circles back to people that end up sitting, you know, sitting in a chair and not, um, not doing everything within their capability to have a more, a more mobile life or the most mobile life that they can possibly have. So what would your, your advice, and obviously ultimately it's your opinion, what would your kind of recommendation be for that, uh, that person or, or people when they hit that, that fork in the road? Um, I actually, this was a few years ago, I weirdly enough came across an amputee in one of my hospitality jobs um, who I had seen around, but he was never wearing a prosthesis. It's kind of a little story and I'll, like, that'll answer the question. Um, and obviously this person was out in the world and living their life, but they were living their life on crutches and uh, he didn't realize that I was an amputee and someone had told him. So he, he eventually came in and had a little chat with me and he'd had an experience where his, he was sent to a prosthesis that was not fantastic. Um, and the fit was off and it was really painful and it was just more comfortable to not wear it. And he was like, well, maybe this is just the life that I'm going to live without having gone to see a different prosthetist or, you know, talk to amputee forums about the, you know, the discouragement and the, and, um, you know, the pain of the struggle that he was experiencing. Um, and I was so happy that he came across my path and I actually, I sent him to my, my prosthetist, Eric at a step ahead who I, I believe that he's now a happy client and walking around. I saw him a few months later and he was walking on his prosthesis, like a changed man, just with like confidence. It was this, this beautiful thing to see. Um, so I would say to a person who is, I mean, probably the people that have given up are in a very, very dark place, but here are, you know, here are these resources. This is my experience. I'm sure you've had a really, really rough go of it. Um, but there are, there are other options. And I also use myself as an example, like, look at me. I mean, look at you. We're, we're doing all this stuff that a lot of people that are able-bodied don't. Um, it's, there's so, you know, there's so many things you can, you can accomplish if you, if you have the self-motivation and you have the positive mindset um, and we aren't always there. I mean, I definitely get dark sometimes as well. Um, and I get frustrated, especially when I'm in pain, but, um, but there are resources out there and uh, yeah, like look at all of these amazing, inspiring, disabled, able people. Um, and, and don't look at it as this negative thing. Like, Oh, I could never do that. I'm not, I can't do that. Um, look at it as, uh, look at it as something to um, aspire aspire to or to motivate you rather than a um, you know what's the word I'm looking for 
rather than looking at it as, as this discouraging, I, you know, I can never achieve that sort of thing. Um, and I, I feel that even the able-bodied community is that way. I mean, it's looking at, you know, I mean, magazine covers are kind of outdated at this point, but oh, I could never look like her. I could never, you know, I could never do that thing or whatever it is. It's like, sure you can. I mean, that's, that's a much larger issue and there's airbrushing and all that sort of stuff. But, um, but oh, that person looks really great. I wonder how they did that or what I can do. You know, and it's like putting, trying to put a positive spin on it, which is so much easier said than done. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know, like never, <laughs> never give up. Sometimes you want to give up and sometimes you do for a few minutes, but finding that inner strength and that inner motivation to be like, hey, we can do this. It's one step at, it's one step at a time. So my final question to you, Maddie, before we wrap up and and end the episode, and this it goes like a bit like this: If you had to summarize what we've been speaking about into one sentence for people to take away, what would that be? Oh gosh, I don't like that question. That's a lot of things covered. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. As I kind of mentioned before, uh, persistence is progress. And no matter how discouraged you might be, there are always resources and people out there that you can relate to and that can help you on your journey. (laughs) Once again, Maddie, thanks again for coming on the Mindset Athlete Podcast. Sorry. Thanks again for coming on the Mindset Athlete yeah. Podcast. Of course. My pleasure. If you like this episode, please do share it with your friends and do let Maddie and I know what you thought of the episode by tagging us over on Instagram at Maddie Ruff Music and at James O Roberts Eleven. And again, you can do the same on Twitter and Facebook. And in addition, if you had any additional questions, don't hesitate to shoot them over as well. And finally, don't forget to check out Maddie's music on Instagram. And you can find her at Maddie Ruff Music on Instagram. And as always, do check out my free content at fitamputee.co.uk and click on the tab resources. But not forgetting, and last but not least, I've also started a new Facebook group, especially for the podcast, which you can find by typing The Mindset Athlete. So make sure to check those links out. They will be in the description. You can find all the show notes at mindsetgame.lipson.com under the category general. So once again, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next week for another episode of The Mindset Athlete Podcast.